Thanks for joining us for this message from Awakened Church. We believe in the power of God's Word, and we pray that you're encouraged by this message. Now lean in as we hear from God's Word together. We're going to be focusing on Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 through 21 today. So if you guys want to start turning there now, that'll give you a little bit of a head start. But we're going to be continuing this series that we've been in for the past several weeks, really several months, actually. Um, We've been in a series called Little by Little, and the heart behind this series has been finding our identity in Christ. So we've been going through the book of Ephesians together from the very beginning. We're in chapter 5 now, but we've spent this entire time digging into what it means to have an identity in Christ. And this has been coming out of this book together. So what we're talking about today is going to be building on what Pastor Nate shared with us last week. It's going to be building on the same truths that he had already shared. So if you weren't here, I just am going to quickly refresh you guys so we're all on the same page going into what we're talking about today. Um, We read verses 15 through 17, so I'll read those for us real quick. It says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. All right, so that was our focus last week, and really there was two main truths that we need to know going into this week that Pastor Nate shared with us. Um, The first thing that we talked about was walking as wise. What does that mean? We talked about how we walk as wise, and what we learned is that wisdom isn't just knowledge. It's not just having information. The real concept behind wisdom is knowing how to apply what we know or knowing how to put into action what it is we know. So when we're talking about walking as wise spiritually, it's saying we have these truths that we understand about God and about what he would have us do in our lives, but we don't just know them, we know how to apply them. And that was the first big thing that Pastor Nate was sharing with us. So once we understand that we are to be applying that stuff, then we're walking as wise, then we focused on the other thing that was our main priority last week. And that was what it means to make the best use of the time. So we talked about how time, what, typically when we hear that word, what we think of is like a, a linear path. So like we're born and then we live however many years and we get to the end of our life and all the time that's in between, we, we just think of it like a, a straight line. Or we think of it like, oh, I woke up this morning, I'll do whatever I do all throughout my day before I go to bed and I have all of that time to do what I'm going to do. But what Pastor Nate was sharing with us last week is that when this talks about time in this verses, it's not meaning it in that sense. It's a lot more specific. Um, What it's meaning is like a a time block. So he gave us the example of like taking a test, like if you're in college. So if you're in college, you might have a, a test in a class and they'll say, the test starts at this time. You don't start it before then. You, you begin right on that time and it will last for one hour and then it's done. You don't get to keep going. That's a time block. That's what Pastor Nate was sharing with us last week, is that we are to walk in wisdom and use the time that we have wisely, but not just all the time, those unique time blocks. And those two thoughts, those two ideas are what's going to carry us into what we're talking about today, because we're going to continue this journey of what it means walking as wise and how we are to do that. And what we have to understand is that that doesn't just happen. Once you choose to walk as wise, you choose to be looking for those time blocks, it's not just an automatic thing. So that's why the message title for today is going to be called Choose Your Path. Choose Your Path. And we're going to be learning this, that 
we have a choice. Not every path that we can choose for our life leads to the same place. Not every choice that we're going to make is going to lead to good things for us. There's things that we can choose to do. There's a way that we can live that produces emptiness, or there's a way that we can live that produces fullness. And that's what Paul's getting into. So that's what's picking up in verse 18. So hopefully it's not too much of a jolt when we first begin reading it together. So if you want to read just the beginning of verse 18, it says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. Jumps right in, gets straight to the point. I know it's a little bit, you know, abrupt, but we're going we're gonna to go ahead and dive into this. So this, this thing that's being talked about there is where point number one is going to be tied to, if you want to write this down. It's choosing to let go of self-control leads to a wasted life. Choosing to let go of self-control leads to a wasted life. Now, before we go any further, I just want to say there might be some of us here today who are thinking, I'm not even old enough to drink, so this doesn't apply to me. Or you might be thinking, I don't drink. I'm old enough, but I just don't participate in that, so I can just check out right now. Don't. This still applies. There's a deeper truth here than just what you see on the surface. This is applicable to all of us, no matter what season or age of life that you are in. So so stick with me as we begin to dig this apart. So we're going to look at these words. He said, don't get drunk. The idea behind being drunk is there's a loss of self-control in that. That's us handing over through alcohol in this case, handing over self-control and no longer being under control of ourselves and, and making the best decisions for ourselves. And then what he says is the reason that we don't want to do that is because that is debauchery. Now raise your hand if you know what that word means. Yeah, like some of us, like probably maybe 50-50 if we're lucky. When I first heard that word, I thought it meant like the most heinous, evil thing in the world. Like that, it just, it just sounds like a diabolical word when you read it. It just it seems heavy. But that word actually means a little bit different than I expected. That word debauchery means an abandoned, reckless, wasted life. That's what it means. So what he's saying is, don't get drunk. Don't, don't allow yourself to be in the state of losing your self-control because that's an abandoned, wasted life. That shouldn't be a part of what you're, what you're doing. That shouldn't be a part of your existence at all. That's what he's trying to say. And what I want us to understand today is when Paul is talking about this, when he's the author of this book, as Paul is writing this to us, there's a whole bunch of baggage associated with the idea of being drunk with wine that the reader of this in his time would have just immediately understood. And it's pretty similar to our, our era as well, I'll kind of explain. So during Paul's day, drunkenness was super common because wine was widely accessible to everybody and it was used in a whole bunch of different ways. So if you were very wealthy and you were very rich, you'd have these huge banquets a lot of times, all of these wealthy individuals and and their, their servants would come to these large parties and gatherings, and they would drink and drink and drink, and initially it would start out kind of normal, a little bit sophisticated, and it would rapidly devolve into crazy sexual things taking place. There would be people being taken advantage of sexually at these parties. People are losing their self-control. They're not remembering what it is that they're doing. They're making terrible, terrible choices sexually at these parties. If you were poor, you still had access to drinking and, and being drunk and losing self-control, because you would often go to taverns that were all around, and people would drink, and it would 
quickly lead to violence and brawling and fighting and all of these disputes and people making terrible decisions with the resources that they had. And this is not very much different than it is today. In Paul's day, that was like the one main resource that was common that people had to lose self-control. But this is why it applies to all of us no matter what, because in our day and in our era, we have a million things to choose from, to choose to let go of self-control. It's not just drinking, that's that. So while Paul is saying, don't get drunk, you could say, don't get high, don't give yourself over to pornography, don't give yourself over to being owned by relationships, pursuing sexual, different things sexually. He's saying, we are not to be doing that because that is an abandoned, wasted life. And that's a big deal. People do that. People, people give themselves over to those things, or they choose to let go of self-control for a whole bunch of reasons. Um, usually, people are doing this because it's culture's answer to the emptiness that they feel. And a lot of people feel a brokenness. They feel like something's missing in their life. They, and they deeply want to be known. They want to have intimacy. So they give themselves over to all kinds of people and all kinds of relationships sexually, and they find emptiness on the other side. They find themselves left behind and abandoned time and time again. And they're still empty, but they desire that intimacy so badly that they go back to those relationships or they continually pursue things in pornography because they're looking for that, but it's not leading to anything. Same thing with alcohol and drinking. People use that because they desire to numb themselves because maybe they've experienced bad things in their past or pain or life is hard and they don't want to have to be thinking about it. They don't want to be focused on it. So they use it as a numbing agent. Some people maybe aren't looking for the numbing agent, but they feel a lacking in this world. They feel like there's just a disappointment to life. Nothing feels super fulfilling. So what they use it for is not to be numbed, but to add excitement and exhilaration because there is this loss of control. And they add all of these things because they're ultimately seeking to fill that emptiness that they have. Humans have been trying to use all of these things which are ultimately temporary. All of them fade, like I've already alluded to, but all of those things are just either a bandage or a booster in, in your life, one or the other. And we have all these substances and things that we're seeking to use to do what only God can actually accomplish. And that's what Paul is trying to get at. And what we are learning, what Paul is trying to say to us is a life that's engaged in any of those things is sadly just per per pursuing perpetual emptiness. And that's all it will ever be. But Paul starts off pretty straightforward, what he just read there, telling us, hey, you shouldn't be involved in that. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But he didn't just leave it at that. He didn't just end it there, be like, hey, cut that out of your life. That's, just, that's it. It's the end of the story. He tells us that we need to replace it with something way, 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 way better. And that's where he goes further. So if you guys want to read the, the last part of verse 18 with me, I'll read the whole thing. But it's, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. But be filled with the Spirit. Point number two is going to come from that very short little bit of words, and it's going to be choose to acknowledge that you have been made complete by the Holy Spirit. Choose to acknowledge that you have been made complete by the Holy Spirit. 
So Paul says, but be filled by the Spirit. And when we hear that, I know for me, especially when I was first reading it and studying it, the assumption is that I must be empty. That's the idea. When we hear the word filled, okay, it's something is, it can only be filled if it's empty, right? That's how we typically think. We assume that this must mean that there's this ebb and there's this flow with, this, with the, the Holy Spirit in our life, that he kind of comes and he goes. Sometimes he's there. Sometimes we're really feeling him. Sometimes he goes away, and then now we're empty. Nothing you can do about it. It's just the way it is. That's, that's a mentality that we take on very frequently. But that's actually not the case. It's not the case at all. The Spirit lives in us always. I want to be super clear I'm talking specifically to those of us who have asked for forgiveness for our sins, who know Jesus. Those are the ones who the Spirit lives in. And we learn that from uh, Ephesians 1.13. We read it in the very beginning of our study together um, several, several weeks ago, um, where it says that the Holy Spirit is given to us as a seal for the day of redemption. And the idea is it's almost like the Holy Spirit, as soon as you have accepted Jesus, you recognize, I need forgiveness. I've been walking in this life. I I need him, what only he can offer. You ask him, you believe in him as your savior, and he sends his Holy Spirit to be a stamp on your life so that he will always be there, always present. And when the day comes, you will have eternity in heaven. That's what Ephesians 1.13 is telling us. So the Holy Spirit's always with us. He's not going away. He's not coming and going. So that word filled doesn't just mean that you are empty. It means something a lot deeper than that. And the concept behind it, the deeper meaning, is that it means to be filled to the the top. And it's supposed to carry with it an idea of being complete. So if something is full to the brim, it can't take anything else. It's, It's complete. So a better way that you could say this that would be a lot more clear and easy to understand would be, but be complete with the Spirit. Not necessarily be filled because you're empty, but be complete with the Spirit. And there's a choice in it. So only the Spirit can complete us. Like I was saying earlier, the world feels the emptiness. Our culture feels the emptiness, is always seeking what it can to try to experience intimacy or peace or joy or purpose or or whatever. But the truth is, only in the Holy Spirit can you have any genuine concept of purpose, any genuine, real, lasting peace, not temporary, but always, where you can have true comfort and where you truly feel excited and exhilarated for what God has called you to do. It's only found in the Spirit, nowhere else. So the question that we often would find ourselves in, this is what I began asking, was, So then how do I be complete? That's what Paul's saying. So be complete with the Spirit. How do I do that? And I spent a lot of time thinking about this and praying about it and studying God's Word. And I found one answer. And it's way more simple than I would have expected. The way we do that is just by asking. That's it. All you have to do is ask Him. That's the only way to be complete with the Spirit. I want to explain this because the second thing I thought as soon as I was reading this and discovering this was, okay, well, I've done that, but what about when I ask and then I don't feel it? How about that? Like, what about when I ask and then I don't feel any different than I did before? I don't understand. And I was questioning that and I was thinking about that. And what I discovered is that you may not feel it. And you may not feel it because it's not something that 
God is doing differently. It's you acknowledging something that you already have. It's you choosing to trust that you are complete already because the Holy Spirit has sealed you and he has stamped you and he has come to be with you. You're choosing to acknowledge that. So what you're really saying when we pray prayers like, Lord, fill me with your spirit, what we're actually saying in that type of a prayer is, Lord, I want to hear your voice and I want to be directed by you. I'm clearing the channels. I'm opening up the paths to hear your voice now. I want your, your authority to rule over my life. I'm, I'm acknowledging that it belongs in my life and, and this is the way that I intend to be. So Lord, I am complete in, in your spirit. So Lord, direct me, guide me, influence my life. That's what's happening. It's more of an acknowledgement when we pray those prayers. But after those prayers, there's a decision that has to be made. Because now you have to choose to walk in the completeness. I'm going to explain that as we go a little bit further. But we have to make a, a choice. We have to make a choice to actually be obedient. To actually begin to put ourselves in places where the Spirit can work. And this is why 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, Do not quench or ignore the Spirit. Because it is a choice. You can shut him out, and you can live like the rest of our culture, ignoring him. That is completely possible. That's why it's so important to not do that. I want you guys to think really quick of yourself as like a cup. Think of yourself just like a, a glass cup or, or something. And a cup that's kind of broken or chipped or has little holes and cracks in it. Before Jesus, anything you try to fill in that cup just leaks out and pours out. It's always temporary. It never lasts. It's never worth it. You're doomed to be empty, always. But after Jesus, you are completely filled by the work of the Spirit. And that's why John 7, 37, tells us that if anyone would come to Jesus and believe, they would have rivers of living water flowing from within them, and that is the work of the Spirit that you are a healed cup, you're not broken anymore, and you are perpetually filled, always. You're complete. It's not going away. It's always there. But a cup's job is not just to hold water. I know when I was initially thinking about that, I was like, well, what's a cup do? It doesn't just hold water. A cup is actually fulfilling its purpose when it's being poured out. And that's where Paul goes with the rest of these verses. And we're going to keep reading this. Um, I'll read all of them, 18 through 21. It says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is our third point. Choose to give the Holy Spirit opportunity to work. Choose to give the Holy Spirit opportunity to work. So if our first point was, or second point rather, was choose to acknowledge that you have been made complete. All right, I am complete. I am filled. I'm recognizing that. I'm not going to live like I'm not. I'm not going to wait around and pretend like he's gone away somewhere. I'm going to acknowledge, yes, I am filled. Then the second step is I'm going to go put myself in 
situations and places and give the opportunity for the Holy Spirit to accomplish what he said he would do. So that's what's taking place in here. And I know for a lot of us, it's really easy to confuse the flowing out of the Spirit. So like that cup pouring out, it's easy to confuse that with the filling. It's easy to get confused and think, oh, that's, I'm experiencing the filling when I see that stuff. But that's actually not the case. That's not what's happening. So when we worship, so we all together, before we, got, before we got into God's word, we spent time worshiping. And during that time, depending on what's going on in your life and, and what's taking place, you probably experienced a whole bunch of different range of things. Maybe encouragement, maybe comfort, maybe peace, all kinds of things. In that action, you might have been thinking, well, that's God filling me. It's actually not what's happening. That's the Spirit going out. Now, it's the same thing when we read God's Word, when we spend time in Bible study, when we spend time in prayer, when we are encouraged by other people. We think frequently, okay, that's the, that's the filling, but it's not. That's the outflow. That's the, the Spirit going out. So what this caused me to understand is that, okay, well then, I've, I've been kind of viewing this wrong my whole life because I've, I've said frequently when I walk into church on a Sunday, man, I feel empty this Sunday. Man, I'm just feeling so empty and I'm here for my refill. I'm here to be filled up. That's actually a flawed perspective. And it's flawed because, what I already said, you are full already. You are complete in the Spirit. You're not here to get the Spirit again. He's already there. You're here for the opportunity to witness the Spirit work. You're here to give the Holy Spirit the opportunity to begin to work. That's why we're here. So when we talk about opening the Bible up at some point during our week, that's not me saying, hey, I want to be filled. Lord, are you going to show up? That's me saying, Lord, I'm opening my Bible today because I know I am filled with your Spirit. I know that I'm complete with your Spirit, and I know that you will speak. I trust you. I'm, I'm opening those channels. So, Lord, I'm going to begin reading this. I'm going to trust that you are going to use this opportunity to do the work that only you can do. So as I begin to read God's Word, when I'm experiencing deeper understanding of God's character, when I'm coming to understand the truth about God's word on a, in a deeper way and I'm understanding how it applies to my life, when I'm gaining that wisdom we talked about earlier, that's the spirit working. That's him at work in your life. Or when we begin to be convicted, when we begin to see, oh man, that really doesn't belong in my life anymore. That's the spirit at work. That's him outflowing, going into your life. That's not you being filled up because he was gone. It's because he's there that he's doing the work now. Because you are deciding to choose to give him the opportunity to do that work. So, as a believer, a lot of times if we're feeling empty, and I know that we do. I know there's a lot of times where we feel empty, we feel depleted. I hesitate to say it because it's convicting for myself, but a lot of times I'm feeling that emptiness because I've chosen to not give the Holy Spirit the opportunity to work in my life at all, except for the one time a week on Sunday when I showed up here. It's not that he went away and that the Spirit's not there with me anymore. It's that I've decided to not read God's Word anytime this week, and I haven't given him the opportunity 
to work and to interact with me. I haven't given him the chance to meet with me. I haven't spent time in prayer. So I feel this emptiness and I think, well, the only time I get it is when I show up here because you're decided to worship today. And that opportunity has led to the work of the Spirit taking place in your life. What we have to understand is that the Spirit is a person. He's a living being. He's not a product. So while we oftentimes come to the Spirit for our hit of peace or for a jolt of comfort or for some joy, that's looking at him as though he's a product, but he is a being. He's a person who we are to be in relationship with. He's not a dispenser, a soda dispenser. He's not, he's not anything like that where you can just walk up and say, oh, I want to get my, my hit today. If you want him, the only way you get him is asking him because he is alive and well and he responds. So when we talk about the Spirit working in our life, or when we talk about giving him the opportunity to work, what we're witnessing in those moments is relationship in action with God. And that's so important. There's so many implications that come along with that. And I really hope that you guys think about that on a deeper level. It's, it's so much deeper than it might seem. So this list of things, I know it's been a while since we read it, that all that list of stuff that we read, this is a list of the outflow of the Spirit, opportunities for the outflow of the Spirit. So he's telling us, be complete with the Spirit, and then do this stuff because that's where the Spirit is going to begin to show up. That's where the work is going to begin to take place. So when he said, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, when he mentions that, there's definitely a cultural disconnect because they did things significantly different a thousand years ago or a couple thousand years ago now than we do things now. But there's still a truth here that we need to understand. At the heart of what he's saying in that is that we are to be encouraging other believers. That's what was taking place there. Addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. That's uplifting or building up other believers, encouraging them in their faith. That's what he's saying that we ought to be doing. That's an opportunity for the work of the Spirit to take place. And then he says that we're to be singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. I think that word melody is super interesting because that means um, like when a guitar string is strummed or like a harp string is strummed. And it's the idea of like a note reverberating. So what he's saying is like, we're to be singing and having this reverberating spirit of worship constantly going in our life, always. There's just this ongoing worship. That's giving him an opportunity to work. That's giving him an opportunity to do what he said that he can do. And he says that we're to be giving thanks always for everything. That's pretty simple as well. It means that we're to be living in thankfulness to God, that we're not walking in entitlement or thinking that, oh man, life's bad right now. God's let me down. No, he didn't. He saved you for eternity. He gave you life. No, even if things were as bad as they could possibly be here on earth, you still received more than we could ever ask for. And that idea of being thankful always for everything is that we are never entitled, but we're always giving honor to God regardless. That gives him opportunity to bring the peace and the comfort 
and the hope. And then finally, it was submitting to one another. And that's just us being selfless and respecting each other and genuinely living out a Christ-like love for one another. When we do any of those things, that's us saying, I have been filled with the the Spirit. I'm choosing the path of believing that I've been complete, and now I'm going to choose to walk in such a way as to give the Spirit opportunity to do what only He can do. And what that looks like can be a whole host of things. And that's important for us to know. And this list is not all of the ways. It's just a variety of ways that He can work. That's important to know as well. So we do a, a great job if we just started here, and we should. But there's a whole bunch of other ways that, that can happen as well. So what we're saying as we go through this message is that we're not waiting around to be puppeted into the work of the Spirit. When we talk about choosing your path, it's saying, I'm, I'm not a robot. I'm in relationship with the Spirit. I'm in relationship with God. If that's the case, I'm not going to act like he, he departed from me. So, hey, I'm left behind. I guess I got to wait till he comes back, picks me up. We're not going to live like that. We're going to choose to believe that we have been filled, and then we're going to choose to actually go out in our lives and walk in a way that gives the Spirit a chance to do what only He can do. And when that happens, we're witnessing Him, him at, at work, and we're experiencing that completeness in a whole different way than we could have ever imagined. That's an active choice, and we do that by living according to biblical truth. We're not just blindly throwing things at the wall. It's not about just being a fanatic and you know, hoping that if I claim something out there that God's going to go do it and now I'm giving him the opportunity. We're not doing that. We're living in obedience to the way God's called us to because we're studying God's word. We're understanding it. And then we're going to be obedient and that's giving him the opportunity. So walking as wise is walking in being complete with the spirit. Walking as wise, looking for those time blocks that God set apart The only way you do that is by acknowledging, I am complete with the Spirit. I'm not going to live like I'm not. And that's where we are choosing our path. Our path choice ultimately boils down to the path of emptiness or the path of fullness. The path of an abandoned, reckless, wasted life or the path of fullness with God, purpose, hope, comfort, peace that lasts for eternity. That's our choice. And God's not going to force you into it. He's not going to make you do it. You have to choose to do that. Whenever I get to share and and teach, I I always like to leave you guys with questions. So I'm going to give you guys two questions to think about as you guys leave here today and to to talk about with um, your family and, and your friends. Question one is, what are you choosing to use as a substitute for the Holy Spirit? What are you choosing to use as a substitute for the Holy Spirit? All of us have something, and some things may appear on the surface to be a whole lot less harsh than others, or a whole lot less sinful, maybe. Maybe our struggles are with pornography addictions, or maybe our struggles are with alcohol and drinking, or maybe they're just with ignoring the Spirit, and maybe you're like me and just, I want to go play video games because I know that that's going to give me an escape, and I want to think about things, and I'm trying to use that as an escape from all the responsibility and things I got going on. 
that's me seeking something else other than this Holy Spirit for, for peace and comfort and hope. I just want you guys to think about it as, as you guys leave today. What is it that you are seeking to use as a substitute for the Holy Spirit? And then question number two, am I living a life that is complete with the Spirit? When you look at your life, are you living, are you choosing to live a life that is complete with the Spirit, or are you, you ebbing and flowing? It's not the Spirit who's disappearing. He's there with you always if you believe. But what are you, what are you living for? Are you living a life that is complete with the Spirit? And maybe you're here today, and maybe you have never given Jesus the opportunity to be in your life. You've never asked for forgiveness. And really, that first part that we talked about, living a life using all of these different things and pursuing all these different things, that's describing you, of pursuing all those things that lead to emptiness and maybe temporarily satisfy you. Maybe that's you. You've never said, Lord, I recognize that that's, that's a broken, wasted life. And Lord, I know that you are out there today. If that's you today, I want to give any one of you who, who needs to make a decision to ask for forgiveness from Jesus, I, I want you to have that opportunity. I want you to have the opportunity to ask him for forgiveness, to go from being a broken, leaking cup to a full, overflowing cup. Thanks for joining us for this message from Awaken Church. We'd love to hear how this message or the ministry of Awaken has impacted your life. Let us know at awaken.church forward slash my story.